Eleven weeks ago, Anthony and Brandon couldn't give a tram and left in 10th place in Jasper. Stefan and Antoine were all wet but couldn't duck out of a 9th place finish in Kai Bay. Anne and Tanya pillaged their way to 8th place in Ho Chi Minh City. Kelly and Kate were the little Asian tugboats who couldn't in Prince Rupert and left in 7th. Julian Lowell lost a blind look task in Kingston and left in 6th. Rita and Yvette were Highland flung out of the race in 5th in Sydney. And Frankie and Amy were sent, yes it's a smelling pun, home in 4th in New Brunswick. Welcome to the final Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the Your Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is very, very high-strung, Logan Saunders. Morning. And the Australian who is used to climbing the Chinese pole, Ben Powell. <laughs> Howdy. I had a tweet earlier predicting that we would do a lot of Chinese pole jokes, and you're 100% correct. That's because you're mentally six years old, Michael. Exactly. <laughs> We haven't had the opportunity to do stupid jokes like that all season, so giving us a Chinese poll task in the final episode is kind of my bag for the season. And the entire podcasting world was thankful that you didn't have an opportunity to do those sorts of jokes. And then this finale happened. Thanks, Amazing Race Canada. Especially after we set the bar so high with the face cream jokes last season. That thing that you weren't actually a part of, Ben. And to be fair, it probably wouldn't have made it to air had you been part of it, because you would have shot it down. Probably, yes. <laughs> That's why I'm thankful it was on a Logan and I podcast. Oh, sorry. I thought I, I thought I had an echo chamber around here. You can you can uh, you can mentally picture the Z snap right there. So after over twenty four thousand kilometers and who cares the amount of cities, we have our winners. And for the first time in Amazing Race Canada, it was the girls who won it. Steph and Kristen are our winners. Yay! Sort of. Yay, sort of. They weren't the best prospects in the final three or the final four, but I'm happy enough. Or the final nine? Yeah, the final nine. Stefan and Antoine taking it out would have been awesome, but... You're still on a Stefan and Antoine train, aren't you? Well, yeah. Had they lasted more than three rounds, they would have probably been maybe my favourite team of Major Race Canada. Are they to you what Max and Elias is to Logan? No, because at least mine survived a round. I don't like where this conversation is going. (laughs) Remember those times when we had good prospects for Amazing Race Canada 3? Ah, good times. I remember no such time, because I knew that thing was doing from the start. I tried to tell you, but you never listened. You knew the final three, though, Ben. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> you were very spoiled last season. You you weren't that spoiled this season, I don't think. Well, I knew Jillian and Emmett would make the final three, but that's that's about it. I, I think those spoilers out there are the final five, but... All I knew is that there were three female teams in there and two co-ed teams in there. So I knew that both of the male teams would be out before the final seven or so. 
But the only solid thing I knew was that Gillian and Emmett would make the final three. So I've been riding that train all season. Yeah, I, I said this on the podcast last week. After the episode aired, I checked whether the final three had been spoiled or not. And it was only Gillian and Emmett who'd been seen in Montreal. Which is quite impressive when you consider that they came second. Usually it's like with Dana and Matt, I think that they were the only ones not spotted because they'd left in first. Usually it's either first or last that gets spotted, not the middle one. I think it was theorised like last season, back in 28, that uh, Sherry and Cole were actually in, in distant last place because Sherry was seen struggling at the roadblock. But uh, turns out that was thankfully, thankfully wrong. Well, not, not, the, not in the best case thankful, but you know, still good thankful. And uh, on the vague subject of Tyler and Corey, Corey keeps setting me updates on where he is on Australian Survivor. Oh, he's watching that as well? He is. He's one episode behind, I believe. Or he sent me a message this morning saying he'd seen 10 episodes, so I'm assuming he's not seen episode 11 yet. Everyone should see the good news of Cat Dumont, that's all I'm saying. Everyone should just watch Australian Survivor. I don't know how next week's Millennials vs. Gen X, who it disgusts me to actually have to say that title, is actually going to live up to the great Australian Survivor so far. Honestly, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a hardcore, hardcore fan enough to, to think about the episodes after it airs. So you just if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Australian Survivor, go, go check out Australian Survivor. It's amazing. It's genuinely like an ORG brought to life. I'd go even further. I'd say it's like I'd say it's a live-action version of Total Drama Island. Which I've never seen, so I can't exactly. Total you call Drama y- you- Island. And you call yourself reality television fans. It's Canadian television. I don't particularly make a point of watching it generally. It's better than most actual reality television seasons, and it's a cartoon. Yeah, that's not hard. So, previously, 11 teams were shocked when a start line twist sent Gordon Wayne packing. Oh wait, that's just my fan fiction. Is that making it into the episode? Maybe. Okay, then. Previously, 10 teams left the edge of the Arctic in Yellowknife to set off on a race around Canada and some communist countries. Uh, Anthony and Brandon, Stefan and Antoine, Anne and Tanya, Kelly and Kate, Julian Lowell, Reese and Yvette and Frankie and Amy were all eliminated, leaving a final three of Joel and Ashley, Stefan, Kristen and Jillian and Emmett. Each is a potential record setter if they win the season, but only one of them can. And teams must now fly to their final destination city of Montreal, Quebec. And once there, they have to find Cirque du Soleil's headquarters and search the main entrance for the next clue. And they have $500 for this leg of the race. Just once, I'd like for Amaze Race Canada just to troll the entire casual viewing audience and and have like the final leg set in America or something, or just go to another country just to end the Amazing Race Canada. They rip open the clue and it says, Fly to Jerusalem, Israel. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll work. Because yeah, there's no spoilers there. There's also like, no Canadians there. I'm sure there's a Canadian expat community in Jerusalem. There is in most cities, Ben. Yes, every time, every time Amaze Race Canada goes to a foreign city that... You know, Monty, Monty surely reminds us that there is a, a strong expat community there. Well, that's the argument I've been making for them to come to the UK. Most of the major cities in the UK, so London and Manchester, have massive Canadian expat communities. Also, Commonwealth, it's not hard. Exactly, it's not as if they'd need a visa for it. But that argument is for next week's podcast. Next week's podcast? Whatever could you mean, Michael? The season has finished. Are we going to be discussing the reunion? I might just uh, reveal what I'm talking about at the end of this podcast. I can hardly wait. Given that there's about five lines of text that I've got to read out at the end to promote everything that we're doing. Well, I can hardly wait. At least sound enthusiastic, Ben. Whatever do you mean, Michael? At least I'm making sound, unlike Logan. True, Logan seems to have fallen back asleep. No, no, I am present. Do you know what I was wondering? As soon as they went to Montreal, I was wondering where 
Ted the Religious Taxi Driver was. Is he still around after all these years? Or has he officially moved in with the Weaver family? You mean BMO Ted? No, no, just he's just regular Ted. BMO Ted actually helped promote uh, Canada as a country and helped them with gaining independence from England, believe it or not. But not the rest of the UK. So, Steph and Kristen leave at 12.22am, uh, Joel and Ashley leave at 1.40, and Gillian and Emmett leave at 2.04. And none of that matters, because they're all on the same flight. Exactly, because this is Amazing Race Canada. And they've always, uh, haven't they been on the same flight into the final leg for the, since season 12? Yeah, Amazing Race Canada has been on the same flight for all but two of the legs this season. Well, I'm more, I'm more or less just clarifying the final leg. Yeah. What, season 10 was the last time they were on different flights? And different airports. Yeah. Rest in peace, Lynn and Carlin. The first all-female team to make the finals. And this is the point in the episode where we learn that Jillian is apparently extremely high-strung. No! Really? You don't say! That revelation just hit us like a bus. I am completely non-shocked right now. Who'd have thought? Oh, it made me laugh so much when I was just been watching the After the Race special and they described Gillian and Emmett as fan favourites. When all they have been getting on Facebook is just utter turd from the casuals. I wrote that note down too. It's like, huh, the host from The Social haven't really paid attention to the attacks on social media. But one person who did pay attention to the attacks on social media was Ashley. That's another whole barrel of ducks to get into. Oh yes, that is, that is another cage of ducks to get into. And uh, Kristen apparently went to high school in Montreal near the airport. Unfair. Her, that, that, that discounts their whole victory. Clearly she had a huge advantage if she went to high school for a couple of years in one of the biggest cities in the country. I know. It was the secret hometown advantages that nobody knew about. Yeah, the secret weapon. And once teams got to Cirque du Soleil, it was the first active route info of the leg, which is to complete three Cirque du Soleil-style tasks. A bungee trapeze, uh, balancing on a gigantic ball, and climbing the Chinese pole to get their next clue. I think the lenses were still there at the Cirque du Soleil task when they showed up. I can't say I'm surprised that we got a Cirque du Soleil task, given that it was kind of the one predictable thing they had to do in Montreal. They were dressed up like extras in a Celine Dion concert. <laughs> I love the costumes. I love that Joel looked like a get-out-of-jail-free card from Monopoly. I wonder whether they just got to decide their own costumes or whether they uh, they reassigned them. Because Joel just looked ridiculous compared to everyone else. <laughs> I think someone was just having a laugh thinking, what can we make Joel dress up as? Steph and Kristen look like Thorgy Thor, which will make no sense if you haven't seen RuPaul's Drag Race this year, but whatever. <laughs> and you're in a chat with two people who haven't. That joke well, they... was somebody out there. Yeah. Antoine, back me up. And talking of RuPaul's Drag Race... Uh, Spencer is covering this season of RuPaul's Drag Race on the blog every week. Shameless plug! Thanks, Ben. And um, I thought before this task that climbing the Chinese pole was oddly similar to what Michelle Yee did at Ponderosa. I'm pretty sure Edgardo's not Chinese. You know what, forget it. Yeah, it, it didn't work perfectly, but you know, it was the best reference I could come up with. Wait, are you saying, are you saying Michelle had sex with Yaman? <laughs> Put it this way, he found a lemon tree. And uh, we have another massive revelation in this task, which is that Ashley is a dancer. I mean, she's kept it so hidden for ten legs so far. I I'm shocked that she managed to keep it so hidden. Was that sarcasm? Yes. Oh, okay. And Emmett is 
apparently, amongst all of his other farming gifts, he can also unroll hay bales from walking on top of them, which made him amazing with walking on the ball. Unlike Lainer and Christie. Wait, 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 wait. Emmett grew up on a farm? Yeah, Ashley's a dancer, and Emmett grew up on a farm. Like, and somehow that these two abilities lined up so they were good at the exact same obstacle. Now, I wasn't paying much attention to the episode, but I think I caught at the end that Steph or Kristen might be a lesbian. Only one of them, though. Canadian TV wouldn't have two lesbians. And also, Emmett doing the first two sass meant that, just as in life, Jillian has to climb the Chinese pole. I don't get you're it. just reusing the same. You're reusing the same joke twice, Michael. You can you can't use that for both Michelle Yee and Jillian McLaughlin. I'm giving myself options because I knew you guys would be miserable about Chinese pole jokes. I thought I'd do Sue just in case. Is Emmett I'm Chinese? Because not- then the then the joke makes sense at least. I'm not even sure if they have Chinese people in uh, Nova Scotia. I'm sure someone could tell us. Can someone fact check whether they have Chinese people in Nova Scotia, please? You have to do you have to do research on your jokes, Michael. Otherwise, they won't make sense. I don't have to. That's kind of how we've done 146 podcasts so far, Ben. We just don't do research and just bullshit it. Right. So Jillian and Emmett leave the task in first, with Joel and Ashley in second, and Steph and Kristen in last. And teams must now find the original Bank of Montreal and crack a code using a code book to receive the key that contains their next clue. On a serious note, I noticed that even with the Cirque du Soleil task that they were still compensating for Steph's finger injury because Kristen did both the grabbing of the bungee trapeze bar and also climbing the pole. So Steph did the only hands-free obstacle, which was running on the ball. I just want to win! (laughs) You're losing, there's so much blood! I like how in the first sort of 15 minutes of the After the Race special, we had a Jillian supercut of her being really competitive and sort of hell demonish. And uh, we also had a supercut of all of Ashley's reactions to everything, set to music. That's like, that actually sounds good. It actually sounds like they got the, uh, they got the grasp of what, age, what makes each character great. <laughs> yeah, it, just for, I'm about halfway through After the Race so far. It looks like they actually know what they're doing with After the Race in terms of making it funny. I mean... The shrill harpies from the social are still shrill and still not very good at their jobs because they've probably not seen the season. But they're not terrible this time so far. I'm like not convinced that any reunion host actually watches the season besides like, I don't know, Jeff Probst. I'm not even sure Probst does. Well, true. He does have these wild fantasies that involve alpha males doing everything and females doing nothing interesting because there's no such thing as a good female character to him. Oh, Probst would hate Australian Survivor. I mean, he. I mean, he'd have like he'd be like passed out on the floor from Sam and Lee. So, <laughs> especially the basketball challenge. Think about that. Think about that scene from uh, that, that South Park episode where there's like they run out of internet or something and they have to use shadow puppets. That, that scene with Randy. That's Jeff Probst after seeing Sam and Lee in an, in a few episodes. I'm pretty sure that that basketball challenge was only done to try and get stupid screen caps of people wrestling each other. I, don't, I, don't, I, I like sort of passed out halfway through watching that challenge because like uh, uh, Rohan, Rowan and uh, Rowan and Lee were giving each other wedgies and I was sort of like at a point I was like started start to have a nosebleed and then it felt, felt passed out on the floor and I was like wait who won what's going on so despite the fact that they leave first Jillian and Emmett's cab leaves them and the other two teams overtake them they even paid their cab to wait brutal and there was actually a question about the cab because uh, Catherine Matthias 
says, I thought money was always tight during a leg. Emmett said that the cabbie took their $15 and took off outside Cirque du Soleil. And I did my research for once and calculated that in the last 10 legs of the race, there was $2,994 given to the teams. So Emmett could have given more than $15 to make the cab wait. 5-0. Oh, 5-0. Oh, then yeah, that, that cab... Maybe that was Ted, the taxi driver from season eight, and he ditched Emma and Jillian because he did not agree with their religious views. There's probably a mole for the shield. So, yeah, not a lot really happens in this task. Steph and Kristen get rejected for mixing up the the and there, and then Joel and Ashley get their key first, with Steph and Kristen in second, and Jillian and Emma in third. This might have been one of the most heavy-handed... Uh sponsor plugs in the finale episode of the amazing race that i have ever seen it was just a whole task about how amazing bmo was and how without without bmo there is no canada wait so it was actually bmo it wasn't like a different thing a different unrelated entity that happened to have a tie to canadian history oh no bank of montreal is the longer version of bmo that's what bmo stands for oh i thought I don't pay attention to the, any of the history or, or lore or whatever that goes on in, in, in Maze Race Canada, so like stuff like that flies way over my head. BMO has been here to help since 1817. There's not even founding fathers, it's just founding bankers to uh, make Canada what it is today. BMO is one of the of Canada's oldest companies. BMO stopped the Iraq War. I'm not sure about that, but BMO was basically there when Canadians burnt down the White House. I remember that. Well, I know of that. I was I was I wasn't alive then. But yeah. I was going to say you'd you'd be a lot older than you'd claimed if you remembered that, Ben. How much? How old do I claim to be? Mid fifties. If you were cast on Australian Survivor, you would be Sue. Well, there was that one time I drove a truck out of an, out of a helicopter, but that's never mind. I'm not your average nana. And before they get the clue, Ashley feels like she's going to be doing something illegal. Because she's bringing a bank heist, an Ashley bank heist. There's no way she would keep it together. She would just be. Screaming all frantic and all under pressure that the cops are about to get her. What they should have done was allow them access to the vault, but make it sort of like that intersection from Amazing Race Australia versus New Zealand, where they have to get through the the room of lasers to be able to get it. Yeah, just as long as Ashley doesn't have to do that task with the with the Daniel and, and uh, Ryan, she she'll be fine. However, breaking into the BMO bank, I believe, is considered treason in Canada. Basically, they can turn it into a letter rouge from Fort Bayard, which is a reference you guys won't get. Ha! Neither will the audience, Michael. Some people will. I mean, there isn't much intersectionality between people people who watch Maze Race Canada, people who listen to our podcast, and people who listen, who watch the French version of Fear Factor. It's not the French version of Fear Factor. It is much older and much better. Proving my point. Uh, so, once teams get their clue in the vaults, it is the first roadblock of the leg, which is who's feeling on the bubble. And in this roadblock, teams must head to the biodome on Ile saint Hélène, uh, where one team member must then climb a rope, pull themselves along the wire, and then abseil down the dome to grab their next clue. Where Joel becomes a serious superhero, according to Ashley. And it is Joel, Steph, and Emmett doing this roadblock. Did you know that Joel and Ashley are role models? Really? Yes, they mentioned it several times that they are role models. They're also fan favourites. I thought that was Jillian Emmett. Jillian Emmett. It is, but the wonderful thing that I noticed about after the race is that they keep doing tenuous links. So it's like, speaking of fan favourites, let's go to Joel and Ashley. Like, right after speaking to Jillian and Emmett. Or talking to Joel and Ashley. Speaking of family, Stefan and Antoine, do you like ducks anymore? Have you played Duck Duck Goose since your time on The Amazing Race Canada? 
Do you listen to Peking Duck? What is your high score on Duck Hunter? Is your favorite cartoon Darkwing Duck? And is it time to get dangerous, Stefan? And I think this episode does have the worst ad break cliffhanger of all time, which is just Joel jumping off the dome. Oh, is he going <laughs> to yeah. swing away? No, no, he, he just, because of how it works, he just went back onto the dome. No, the harness I... breaks and he falls 50 feet to his death. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> he doesn't get the clue. The episode just ends with a black title card saying "R.I.P. Joel," and then his and then the epitaph Joel on the di- on the on the gravestone says, "Was a role model." Joel died on his way back to Montreal. Joel died on his way to the ground. <laughs> oh, 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 that is a pun. Well, that's, a, that's, what, that's what happened. To Gwen, that's what happened to Gwen Stacy. Spoilers: Some of us still haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man Two. Gwen Stacy's been around since like the sixties and seventies, Michael. If you don't, if you don't know she dies, you're not a real, you're not, you're not a real nerd. I hear that if you if you press a button on Joel's grave, it just plays an eagle screech each time. It's like one, it's like perfect. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're getting a bit blue here, but my favorite thing of the after the race, um, Ashley meltdown supercut was just the fact that they included the eagle screech when she fell off the uh, off the tram. That made me absolutely piss myself. Because it, it was just set to music and then you just heard her as she fell. King Arthur's journey has officially ended. <laughs> <laughs> that would completely redo Coach's jury vote. <laughs> Did Joel speak at all during the After the Race special? Um, He spoke a little bit. Obviously because of the drama between Frankie and Amy and Ashley. Ashley spoke a lot more. He, yeah, they kept him completely out of that whole discussion, or he probably didn't want any part of that discussion at all. To be fair, Joel didn't really intervene in the Frankie and Amy feud for a little bit. It was probably a couple of hours until Joel actually tweeted, and he didn't tweet anything offensive uh, like Ashley did and like Frankie and Amy did. He just tweeted something very passive-aggressive? Yeah, it, w- it was more passive-aggressive defending his stepdaughter than, than actually getting involved. So I think he was slightly mortified. It's a rare creature, a Canadian Twitter feud. It's like, I recall like two or three of them. And one of them was back in like Big Brother Canada 1 where like, Emma was to Peter like, um, uh, let, me, let me know when he gets to touch Liza's thigh. And then there was that time where, uh, I think Sabrina versus, Sabrina versus the world, really. Big Brother Canada Sabrina, like, uh, you know, where she's apparently, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what this is about, but apparently she's burned a lot of her bridges with the, with the Big Brother Canada alumni, so... I'm not sure she would ever come back for All-Stars anyway. I doubt she'd be invited back. And, yeah, team's leaving the same order they arrived, so it's Joel and Ashley, Steph and Kristen and Gillian and Emmett. And teams must now find the Sant Viator bagel, where they will find their next clue. And this roadblock has the best roadblock in, well, definitely in Amazing Race Canada, maybe an Amazing Race. Bagels can't be choosers. I wonder how long it took for them to come up with that with that joke for the roadblock hint. Well, it works so well because it's not actually a hint. And also, they had no choice who, who did it. Yeah. So it, it works wonderfully. It could have been like, go screw yourself, you're doing this roadblock no matter what. Why the hell do we need to write a roadblock hint for you? Yes, roadblock. Who gives a fuck are you doing it anyway? Roadblock. Carry some goddamn bagels. And don't don't put them in upside down, you idiot. I am very surprised that we actually saw two teams get stuck by that. That's that's pressure for you. The pressure really got to them when they know they're that close to the finish line. They're just they're just not thinking straight. Can we talk about how Jillian tried to manually rearrange hers in the middle of the street? 
Oh my god, that was the best part of the whole finale. The editors did that wonderfully. Because, yeah, she like tries to get it up to her chest and she just freezes there for... You can see her visibly thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then the wand just casually falls off. And she stays in that same frozen position of, what do I do now? What do I do now? And then just tossing the bagels aside, just acknowledging that it's really game over for her. There was a great bit of it where she just froze for about five seconds before dropping all the bagels, where you thought, is she looking at that bagel as if to say, I'm going to pick it up and put it back on? Just like flick it up with her feet or something like that. Like she's really trying, you can tell that every single possible option of how to get that bagel back up without, you know, giving up is going through her mind. It was like a sesame bagel, wasn't it? Like, it was covered in black seeds anyway. I wouldn't have noticed. You could just, like, dust it off, get rid of the gravel, you has, wrap bite marks, put it back on, and then just, like, nobody's the wiser. Has Jillian never played the Tower of Hanoi? Because you had a little bit of space on top of the bagel sticks. You could have probably moved one to each one and then rearranged them. I'm pretty sure when you're trying to do something impossible in the streets of Quebec, the Towers of Hanoi is not where your mind goes. But she was just there just a, just a couple weeks earlier. I mean, I know they're mainly around Ho Chi Minh City, but they did get a bit further north into the country of Vietnam. So you think, you think that the Tower of Hanoi is like a national sport there. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure some of the international seasons have actually done a Tower of Hanoi in Hanoi. In fact, I'm very confident they have. Or in Samoa. Yeah, it, it takes over the whole South Pacific. Um, you know what bagel I really want to try is that cut to the Mentos bagel. I mean, that minty-flavored bagel must be just delicious. Mmm. Bagel. So, yeah, in this roadblock, the team member who sat out the last roadblock must use three orders written on a blackboard to correctly put together their bagel sticks and deliver them to the correct addresses to get their next clue. And it's Ashley, Kristen, and Jillian doing this roadblock. This task was really just all Jillian, besides that amazing moment we described. There's also her interaction with the local that messes her up even further. And the fact that she can remember jeans, jeans, jeans. Which to me sounds like a middle-aged gentleman's club. <laughs> for stay-at-home dads or something like that. What? what kind of attractions would be at jeans, jeans, jeans? <laughs> the Amish? <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, Siri. Ah, yeah, you see, if you, if you look real close, you can always see her ankles. If you pair enough, you, you might see her knees. She'll take you back to the private room to put some jean shorts on. This is in Amsterdam. We don't, we don't go that far up here. I was not aware there were Scottish people in Amsterdam. New I said, Amsterdam. hey, it's Canadian. Or in Canada. Yeah, it's New I Amsterdam said, I... in, uh, on the East Coast. It, used to be, it was founded by Amish. This week, you're going to Amsterdam? <gasps> Newfoundland. Oh. And... We also see a rare shot of the camera crew following Ashley in this task. They were just hungry for bagels. They've been running around all day. Bagels. 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 It's bagels. So, with Jillian with that local, I mean, she's just repeating the name several times under her breath, and I like how she forgot it. The exact second she starts talking to that local, she even said it to her. She's like, what did I just say? Local's like, I don't know. I, I didn't really care. You're just a, some random person that's coming up to me. Am I supposed to? Am I supposed to do the race for you, Jillian? Excuse you, Jillian is the winner of Big Brother Canada One. She's a national treasure. Yeah, she's as many people have pointed out online. She's only doing the Amazing Race Canada because she's just a reality TV fame whore. That's that's all she's doing this for. Clearly, 
the only way that Gillian's performance in this task could have been any better is if the person she stopped on the street would have been Topaz. Yeah, because to, well, Topaz would have definitely mixed up the bagel shop. There's no way she would have been able to keep up with the one that she was intending to tell Gillian about. Or if Emmett was suddenly possessed by the spirit of Amaze Race 27 and was like, Logan! Gillian! <laughs> Logan! You want some cookies? I like how every iteration of Chris turn, turns him further and further into a crotchety old, old man. <laughs> he ages rapidly. Every time he screams out his, his partner's name. My illness is progressing. Take 10 years of his life. Logan, take me to jeans, jeans, jeans. <laughs> <laughs> but that's several thousand miles away. We might see some uncle. <laughs> oh, you guys. We need Michelle in here. She'd keep you in line. I genuinely reckon if I just played the audio of Jillian uh, saying, Bouchierche Vito, Bouchierche Vito, someone probably would think, is this someone in a mental hospital? Are they just rocking back and forth? Or it's John Vito and Jill's French cousin. <laughs> right, because cousins often have the uh, second part of first names. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a Nurse Joy thing. Did you know that Ethan from Amazing Race Asia was related to Ethan Hawke? Fact, and Ethan's on. Man, that blows my mind on so many levels. I'm related to Coach. Benjamin Coach Powell. Why, why do we even have last names anymore? <laughs> and that would, of course, make Logan Saunders be related to Logan Fazio. I did just take up paddleboarding recently, so this is trying to make a lot more sense now. Well, yeah, that was funny, with, too, with, with Jillian talking to that local, because, yeah, the local forgets what she was saying half a second earlier, too, and then they both pause, and they're like, what was I saying? And the local's like, I don't know, but you're wearing a funny hat. Let's go there. She directs her back to this place we started at. Um, and Ashley also says that her hands are tired of grabbing sticks. God. Penis jokes. Lots of penis jokes. God, get over it, Michael. Uh, so Kristen completes all her orders in first place, and teams must now find the moment factory and search inside for their next clue. Is that supposed to be another Bank, bank of Montreal BMO plug? Because each week, believe it or not, I'm not sure if this gets into your guys' episodes, but uh, there's an online uh, pick each week that ends up being a post, I think, on the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page, where the Bank of Montreal has their moment of the week. I was very confused about last week's moment of the week, because it was Ashley helping Joel at the roadblock, which is the entire point of the roadblock. It's a moment. It's the moment. It's the BMO moment. Be a moment. I'm not sure why they would single that out. I don't, I don't think they really care. They just see a random 20-second clip. It's like, let's just go with that. That seems nice. I mean, if they wanted to pick the moment of the week last week, they probably should have picked Ashley deceiving Frankie and Amy, but it wouldn't have been the sort of moment they would want to advertise. BMO, we're here to deceive you to your face. BMO, F you guys. BMO, we're here to cost you money and make your family cry. <laughs> Especially when teams don't actually win prize money on Amazing Race Canada unless you win the Amazing Race Canada. BMO, all about false promises and empty dreams. Oh wait, that's Amazing Race Canada. Burn. So, once teams get to the Moment Factory, it's the final task of the race. And in this final memory challenge, teams must match 11 plaques to the location that they saw or heard them from a possible 33. Once they match the correct 11, they receive their final clue. That was brutal that the one location, one was spelled Bragg, with 
with an R and one without the R. So teams had to pay really, really close attention. There was also, it was also missing an ampersand. Yeah. I am a connoisseur of Final Memory Challenges. I love them, especially when they're done well. Unlike Amazing Race Canada 3, which has just put some fucking string on a ball, on a wall. This is one of the best Final Memory Challenges we've seen, ever. It was certainly very aesthetically pleasing. This was a pretty as hell challenge, and also not exactly easy. Which is kind of all I can ask for at this point in the Amazing Race's lifespan. Uh, so, Steph and Kristen get 9 out of 11 and get rejected, as do Joel and Ashley with 6 out of 11. And then somehow they both manage to drop their scores even further. And by the time Jillian and Emmett get there, Moment Factory definitely needs soundproofing. Yeah, unless Emmett's just gone delusional, because he kept saying, I hear voices. I hear voices, Jillian. I What's hear that? voices. What's that? But I, li- I don't want to kill Justin Trudeau. I like him. But okay, if he's a threat, if he's a threat to the lizard people... Starting with Jillian, and then Mike Bickerton, <laughs> and then the host from the social until only and... Devin Soltenbeek is left. Is that what the voices are telling me? Oh my god! So that's where Devin Soltenbeek's been hiding. He's one of the lizard people. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure usually when there's a final memory challenge. Uh, where teams are in the same building, they usually put them far away from each other. There's usually not the potential of overhearing each other, unless it's an open-air one. How distracting would the muffled voices be? Depends who it is, because if it's Jillian just sort of muffled and screaming at Emmett for something, it would probably be quite entertaining. They should have, like, producers in two... Like, they should have had two extra rooms with just producers yelling out nonsense and stuff, or just... Having like a, I don't know, like a domestic dispute dispute through the walls. Just my to... favorite, I think probably my favorite part of any reality show is when there's something that's supposed to be like secret or muffled or um, soundproofed and then you find out like five an episode later or five minutes later it's not. Like, like uh, Peter from, uh, from Big Brother Canada, one with sh- shouting in the diary room and Jillian makes fun of him outside of it because she can oh, hear yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> I remember that. It's absolutely ridiculous. Rah, 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 rah. Shut up. But I'm I'm speaking more of um something that happened this year because in Big Brother UK there was supposed to be this um there's supposed to be this thing where like uh there's supposed to be twelve people in the main house, but then there's supposed to be a secret house of six people. But um they they're supposed to cast the six people as like devious masterminds who are all out to get who had to cause paranoia in the main house. But they also didn't they also didn't like um they didn't like count on four out of six people but living in the in the other house being fucking insane so they're causing fights every other day and so they're like and have you seen every episode of the main house like hang out in the backyard and then something so like wait do you hear something and then you just you hear distant screaming my favorite thing is big for the uk whenever it has a secret house or a secret room or anything they always tell them to shut up and not shout because you will be heard by the main house not anymore they didn't care this year they just said you know what shout as much as you want it'll be funny also, several members of the, ha- of the main house did a camera run, like actually ran for the camera runs, just to like I don't, for some reason I can't remember why, but they just did it anyway. And like, and then they discovered the they discovered the other house through the camera run. So it was like, well, that was. Have you ever seen that GIF of um the of the the opossum or whatever, like holding a piece of cotton candy, then putting it in a puddle and it, that it disappears? That was like the producers with their twist. The major twist of the season ended up being dead in ten days. I think it was something like that. I think it was like five, four or five days. 
Yeah, but they actually they merged the houses after thirteen days. I think it was. Yeah, like nine, eighteen or nineteen days. They, they merged the house after, but that was because that that twist tanked. And I, I love how this challenge is basically just a rehash of every Final Four Viso competition from every Big Brother season. I'm so disappointed I've not seen any criticism on the Facebook page so far saying, oh, they rigged this challenge for Jillian and Emmett because it's basically a veto competition. Well, that would have only happened if they won the race because of it to go from last to first. Also, there's some wonderful criticism on the Facebook page saying, this is the last time I will bother to watch The Amazing Race Canada. I especially hated after the race. We hardly needed to have the women from the social shoved down our throats again. What's with the bashing of Ashley? I thought it was inappropriate. Cheap drama that was unwarranted. It's a race, but I guess Frankie and Amy didn't want to take responsibility for not reading the clue correctly. Much easier to blame someone else. People who, who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And the same woman posted right before that, Frankie and Amy, boo, hiss, sore losers. Grow up, Amy, posting nasty comments on Twitter. Come on. What a boring That's the life. casual fans for you. God, those people are boring and no life whatsoever. Oh, and Emma and Jillian get one last amusing exchange, which was right before this task, which was Jillian telling Emma to tell the taxi to wait, and then Emma goes to tell the taxi to wait, and then Jillian gets angry at Emmett for going away to tell the taxi to wait. Emmett! So she actually tells them, tells him to tell the taxi to wait. Yeah. yeah. I missed that, but that's hilarious. And then after like five seconds, says to him, Emmett, why are you going away? And Emmett's like, you told me to tell the cab to wait, and Jillian's like, I know, I'm upset. <laughs> I left the shoe in there. That should, that should work. Yeah, but we actually had the shoe storyline continue on because Emmett left his shoe in the elevator at the BMO task. And I thought, is Emmett going to lose that shoe? So we have the last two episodes of the season with Emmett and Jillian losing a shoe each. And then Emmett has to hope that the BMO advertisers are here to help and will lend him one of their shoes. So the one of the employees has to run around with the shoe and then just only a sock on the other foot for the rest of their shift. And even better, in the bagel meltdown, you could actually see how mismatched Jillian's shoes were. She was wearing one pink and one blue, I think it was. Imagine if they'd, they'd come back to the elevator and all that was left was like a, a bisected, the, the front of a bisected shoe. Or like there's a camera left on and then you just saw the, you saw the, you saw the, uh, the doors just close in the shoe and then it just rises up and then just like <laughs> rips off and it falls to the ground. So, Steph and Kristen leave first, with Jillian and Emmett in second, and Joel and Ashley in a very distant third. And teams must now find Montreal, the namesake of Montreal, which is the finish line for this season. The first team to check in will win the Amazing Race Canada, and all of Monty's ever-changing, wonderful prizes. I'm still waiting for that season where I, well, other than like the second season of Amazing Race, where a team leaves the final task in first, but then somehow gets overtaken at, at the finish line and gets complete gets completely lost i'm waiting for another version of will you idiot <laughs> i actually thought we were probably gonna get it despite the fact that jillian and emmett's edit has been catastrophic all season long i thought hmm, maybe they're going to overtake steph and Kristen when they go the wrong way that'd be the biggest troll of the audience ever it's like oh yeah Steph and Kristen are for sure going to win. There's no way Emma and Jillian can win this season. Yay! And then Steph and Kristen get lost for the first time in an amazing race season on the way to the finish line in like 50 or so international seasons. And then Emma and Jillian take first place and win the whole thing. That would have been wondrous. The collective embolism of the audience and Peter Brown. That would have been amazing. Can you imagine the pantheon of Amazing Race winners and the pantheon of Amazing Race Canada winners 
and Gillian and Emmett being there. And especially Gillian being the first female to win the Amazing Race Canada. It would be very flow-esque. Exactly. The fact that she she won the first big season of Big Brother Canada makes it, her entire existence very flow-esque in the first place. So everyone you know in the audience probably expected a Peter victory or an Alec victory or a Emmett victory or a, a guy winning basically, and then it comes this neurot then along comes this neurotic neurotic high school teacher who's, or elementary school teacher, and then like um who wins by fluke, and then imagine if she'd won this season by fluke as well. I I, I think like I think the viewers would have like. Their brains are like to shut off, and then they're going out, go out into the streets, and, and just like starting eat, eating people's flesh, and then the downfall of Canadian society would have begun. I'd be interested to see how far behind Gillian and Emmett were from Stephen Christen, because I don't think it was that far. I imagine it was quite very far. I think that Stephen Christen won the race when Joel and Ashley failed at the final memory challenge. Well, both teams were still there when Gillian and Emmett got there, at least, and it looked like Gillian and Emmett blazed through it. It looked like they didn't take too many attempts they were very far behind in the first place so who knows so yeah steph and Kristen are the first team to arrive and they become the first all-female team to win the major race canada just like they wanted to be wait wait wait, wait. what else do they win choice of cars that no one cares about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. each other's love lock of monty's hair you forgot the trip you forgot the trip from hotels.com oh of course the trip around the world provided by kurt retchell's company Hotels.com is actually, a, is actually a very good website. I've used it several times to book to book a hotels in, in cities where I've been visiting. It is, so have I. They are not sponsoring us. Ding! Hotels.com is the one sponsor that I will actually endorse from Razor Race Canada, because I've used them. Oh yeah, they're good. There's one question, though, that I have for Stephen Kristen. What Chevrolet vehicle are they going to choose? Oh, I don't know. We live in the city, so we might <laughs> choose a Volt. Who cares? Why is this a part of my finale? I'm sorry. I love how that's it's like, of all the things that Monty could ask, like, oh man, like, what are you going to do with the money, or, you know, what? how do you feel about winning the race? The first question is, the one question that's on everybody's minds, which Chevy vehicle are you going to choose? Like, that's all the after the race special is going to be, is just, the other nine teams are just going to sit there silently while Stephen Kristen uh, lists the pros and cons of each Chevrolet vehicle and how it can help out with their everyday life. The one question that's on everyone's mind, will you accept this rose? <laughs> the Bachelorette Canada did premiere at the exact same time as the Amazing Race Canada. So as the Amazing Race Canada finale last night. So that would have been a great twist at the end. One thing I do love about in that happens in a lot of reality shows is awkward discussions or brief discuss shockingly brief discussions around prizes and prize money and stuff. Like I remember back in in Big Brother UK in 2001, Brian Dowling, 21-year-old gay flight attendant from Dublin, Ireland, had just won the second season of Big Brother in a, in a landslide vote. And then, like, one of the questions he was asked by Davina on stage was, like, what are you going to do with, what are you going to do with your prize money? And then he just, scra- and then he just screams, spend it! <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the, on the After the Race special, Steph and Kristen were asked, what are you going to do with the money? And they said something really sensible about, oh, we're going to take nine months of of work off and uh, go traveling and, you know, set ourselves up. And just once, I want someone to answer that question on live TV, just go, oh, I'm going to spend it on coke and hookers. So they're Fabio. I just want them to answer something really stupid that editors can't cut out. They're Canadians. They're pure. They don't do anything like that, Michael. But also the the reactions from the Shrill Harpies of the Social would have been amazing. 
Could you imagine them trying to sort of style it out when Steph and Kristen say, yeah, we're going to spend it on coke and hookers. I think the one host from The Social, though, who looks like she was thrown into a time machine from the 80s with the hair and the leather, I think she would have some connections. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like production's plan to get an all-female team to win worked. And no complaints here. I mean, I probably would have liked it to have been one of the other four teams, probably like one of the other four teams, like Kelly and Kate or... Frankie and Amy, Raider and Yvette, maybe even just had Jillian as the first female winner, as you know the flow, the flow of the flow of Canada. It would have been amazing if production did this and got five all female teams that were competitive and fun and great on camera, and then one of them didn't win. If still a male female or male male team had won, because that would have been hilarious as long as it was Stefan and Antoine. Can you imagine Anthony and Brandon as the first, as the winners of the Amazing Race Canada season four? That was what I was worried about. Pre-season, I was very worried that they were not going to be first boots. Because holy shit, it would have been an awful season had we had to put up with them and their bland maxeriness. So is that the entire finale we've discussed? Other than Emmett's patriotism at the finish line and... And then John Montgomery saying, this this is therapy. And then Emmett responding with, this causes therapy. See, I know a lot of the edit focused on Gillian, but I think Emmett is quite fun as long as he isn't saying that you should always stay in Canada forever and ever and ever and ever. And then Joel and Ashley just cry a lot at the finish line. I don't think they get any actual words in. And Ashley's excuse for screaming a lot was that she was just trying not to swear. Are we getting into after the race discussion here? Because I I haven't seen that, so a little bit, yeah. I've only seen half of it, so we won't go too deep. I haven't seen any of it, so all you need to know is that about fourteen and a half minutes in, there is a wonderful Ashley and Frankie and Amy fight. Is it like on the level of uh, Farrah Abraham versus Ashley? Have you seen that? I mean, I know it was last. I know it was last year, and it's like old news by now, especially in the RTV world. Everybody's like sixteenth of the way past into the past, but like, should we should we, tell, should we sort of tell like what happened? Yeah, on the after show for Celebrity Big Brother. Um, a certified civilian Big Brother legend, Ashleen and uh, Farah Abraham got into a little bit of a slanging match, which then turned into chucking chairs and glass at each other on live television. What? I've not seen this clip? All you need to know is Janice Dickinson threw a chair. And it resulted in someone being hospitalised and a couple of dropped assault charges. And someone banned from the finale, of course. Because of because the agency that JP models for. Yeah, Ashleen is a certified uh, civilian Big Brother legend. And Janice Dickerson is a, is a certified something, I don't know. Chair thrower? Have you seen Janice Dickinson on uh, I'm a Celebrity UK? No, I just know her from have, having her own TV show and then JP referencing her at the Survivor Cook Islands reunion show. Basically, there's a point where like uh, she was, she was a big model back in the day and then and then she sort of like started doing the rounds on reality television. She was on America's Next Top Model as a judge. She was on a lot of uh, VH1 stuff. I think she was on uh, that show with Emma Rosa, I think. And then she was on uh, all the Emma celebrities. And then she eventually found her way onto uh, Celebrity Big Brother, where it's like same sort of thing it's been for her entire career. It's sort of like, you know, she just sort of like uh, pretends to be a dotted old lady and then just like has all these really thinly veiled but really hard to pin down like social manipulation sort of things and emotional terrorism sort of things like i'm pretty sure she i'm probably pretty sure she drove austin armacos like five years closer to death so <laughs> and um according to the after the race special 
uh, Ashley screaming through the challenges proves that the challenges are hard. The first couple episodes, I would say, like, it's, it's weird. This season really has two parts to it. The first part being the first four episodes that all seemed like a really tough string of episodes. And then it sort of just drops off for the remainder of the season after that. Yeah. With little sort of coinc- here and there. It sort of coincides with the departure of Kelly and Kate. I wonder what that says. It's almost like they were certified legends. And not to make Ben all depressed here, but in the after the race special, only one racer is not present out of the 20, and it's Kate. <sighs> because Kate had prior engagements. She was too good for the host of the social. Who knew? <laughs> now, shrill harpies of the social. We don't refer to them as hosts because they don't have the talent to host. And Julian Lowell are asked for the secret of their success. And they say couples who's put together stay together. And also during the after the race special, during one of the commercials, they revealed their the BMO moment of the entire race. Is it Julian Lowell? Yes, and it's receiving the BMO message from home without any Aunt Sylvia interference. That we know of. Aunt Sylvia was probably locked in the padded cell with Gillian while uh, after the race went on, just so she wouldn't do a uh, Ryan Loxy haters and uh, interrupt the program. Her eyesight, believe it or not, is about the same as Lowell's at this point in her life. But she has cataracts. Back in my day, we used to call bagels communist donuts. Oh no. <laughs> Why? We've got through an hour and 20 of this recording without Ben doing an Aunt Sylvia voice. <laughs> I wish Aunt Sylvia would have hosted the, the After the Race special. Julian Lowe, would you like a mint? A Mentos mint? What do you mean subtle? What, that, what do you mean it was supposed to be subtle? You told me to advertise Mentos mints because they're sponsoring the show. <laughs> Don't shush me, you young, you no, young whoopstuffer. No, it's the noise Mentos make whenever they're on the screen. <laughs> What's that sound? Is that like cataracts? I wish she would have uh, tried to uh, initiate the discussion between Ashley and Frankie and Amy, how that would have gone. So have you been tweeting at each other like birds or something? (laughs) Ashley, in my day, we didn't have Twitter. We just called people bitches to their faces. And we told them we'd see them next Tuesday to their faces as well. And we would see them next Tuesday, usually for a nice game of crib. Or backgammon. That's how we said all our differences. So, barring another, you know, random takeover by Aunt Sylvia, she should have been one of the takeover hosts for Big Brother 17. <laughs> Who's ready for a takeover? It's great Aunt Sylvia. You guys are running to the couches too fast. I need my walker just to get to you guys. Can someone get my motorized scooter? So, barring another takeover from Aunt Sylvia, that's the season done and dusted? Yeah, I mean, we have one question from Jerry Dowdy, who always themes his questions in the same way, and he wants to know, if Gino and Jesse were running this race, would they still have won? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, hopefully not, because they would have got a U-turn the shit out of them. They would have had Stefan Christen and Eminem and Jillian to compete with this year. Speaking of, though, they really, they, one thing they re, if they're not going to listen to us when, when we say, like, you need to leave the country more, please leave the country more, Canada is boring, stop going to Canada, leave now, please. If they're not going to listen to that, that's when I say, if they're not going to listen to us when we say that, maybe they can listen to us when, the, when we say that you should probably, like, implement the U-turn rule, you know, the one that's sort of been in the show since 2004, 2003, you know, the thing that stops... Strong teams from staying strong for the entire race. You know, the one the one that gives a bit of strategy to this show. 
you know that one? Really? No? Okay, fine. Let, let Steph and Kristen win without unimposed, unopposed. Especially when uh, the previous two winners now have both used double U-turns twice. Yes. Either they implement the U-turn rule, or they implement the international U-turn rule of must vote U-turn, bitches. They're the big gang on people. That's un-Canadian. Maybe. Because the rumour is it's All-Stars next year now, because there was no announcement of applications to Season 5, maybe what they should do is make it a must-vote U-turn every leg for All-Stars. That would be a bloodbath. Why would you have All-Stars so early? I don't know, especially as they've got the rights till Season 6, at least. Yeah, there still hasn't been, there hasn't been any announcements for auditions or casting for next year yet, and usually Monty always... I think he's always said it during the finale, right? Like, this is the first time where it's been delayed? He's always said it during after the race. Yeah. So that's why everyone's freaking out, thinking... Yeah, that's going to be All-Stars next year, in which case, that's going to really suck for, you know, the thousands or even tens of thousands of people who have been auditioning and now have to wait two years before they submit their next audition. We know you're talking about your Logan. And also Gordon Wayne and Kurt and Shelley and all the other people we don't care about. Oh, do not edit that out. Sass. (laughs) We care about those three teams. We care about Logan and Ryan and... uh, Gordon Wayne and Kurt and Shelley and no one else particularly. I still love during the pranking Amy and Ashley uh, fight in, on the after the race special that the host from the social or especially the one who was in the 80s uh, time machine how eventually she just cuts in and says we're all competitive, we're all competitive people and that was just her segue to just shut the discussion down. It's like well, her point had nothing to do with anything. We're all laughing, we're all having a good time. In the same way that I don't think they've seen the episodes this season, I don't think they were prepared for a proper blood feud to happen. Yeah, I bet you they're not even aware of the Twitter fight at all. This is what makes it probably my favourite out of the race special, which is a low bar, I know. Because there is actual conflict in this season, it makes it so much funnier to see these people be on opposite sides of a studio, basically, because of how they set the teams up. Because for the first time in After the Race history, teams are not all together in one block. They are on two opposite sides of the studio, probably because they knew Frankie would have to hold Amy back. So it's like it's pretty much like the, the set of a, of a real housewife reunion. Yeah. Yeah, like the host, ah, from the, social, the host from the social sat in the middle, and then like five teams uh, sat on opposite sides in bleachers. So very much real housewives set up. Yeah, basically, Frankie warned me before the After the Race special that she would probably have to hold Amy back so she wouldn't rip a bitch's weave. Oh. <laughs> I never watched it, but if I was watching it, I'd be waiting for, like, you know, this is a Real Housewives reference here, but, like, I'd be waiting for one of them to yell, I'm asking you a question, you dumb fat bitch! Yelling that across the studio. If you haven't seen that clip, it's hilarious. I'll, I'll link it to you later. So, is there anything else to say about this season? Yes, uh, apparently. Sh- apparently, Anthony and Brandon didn't talk for two weeks. After they were eliminated, and that's the only thing we learn about them. And that's the only thing anyone cares about. Interesting, sort of. Like, I wonder what was going on there, really. Like, you know, sort of, I can appreciate male teams that are boring male teams if they, like, aren't offensively boring. And Anthony and Brandon are sort of like, they existed at, for, like, five minutes in the span of a year as, oh, no, this team could possibly take out, take out the win. Oh, wait, no, they don't. Never mind. So it's sort of like, once once that albatross has passed, it's sort of like, you can look at it from a different angle. They could have been so much more unbearable, because we didn't even get any mention of how they would spend the money in the first episode. And reading the bios, you know that 
they would have spent the money and given it to one of their co-workers' daughters who has a disease of some description. So had they lasted more than one episode, we would have got the unbearable OTT, we're, do- we're not doing this for ourselves, edit. So did we find anything else out about them? Uh, yeah, Tanya. Tanya with uh, the whole uh, fainting incident. Apparently the reason why she fainted is because she refused to vomit on TV. So she just chose to faint instead in Vietnam. Fair enough. Tanya off of taking face cream as her most important item. Yes. And Steph still doesn't have any feeling in her fingertip from the machete chop. She probably severed a nerve of some description then. Yeah. Months later. So, overall, in the seasons of Amazing Race Canada, where would you say this ranks up? Below two, above three. And where does one fit in all of that? Well, one is its own entity because it was a beta test and can't be really ranked with any of the others. I would say two, four, three. And then one somewhere off to the side because it doesn't exist in the actual rankings of Amazing Race. Now that's a pussy ranking, so where would you rank, where'd you rank run one now? Tell me now, where would you rank one? Between four and three. It would be two, four, one, three. That's better. Logan? That's a combination to my luggage. <gasps> uh, I would probably, I would rank uh, rank this season, but yeah, below two, above three, but one would be way, way dead last. Like when season one aired, I don't even really keep up with the episodes when it aired, aired each week. I would delay watching a couple of them at a time, and there's only like three episodes from that whole season I find worth watching. But yeah, with this season, the thing is is that the first four episodes were so good, but then the quality just drops off once they get back into Canada, and the fact that Steph and Kristen and Emin and Jillian, the thing between them is that it wasn't quite like a as entertaining of a Clash of the Titans as like a BJ and Tyler and Eric and Jeremy, especially when... You know, you get towards the end of the season and Emma and Jillian and Steph and Kristen work together to try and bring Frankie and Amy into the, you know, try and bring them to the final three. And that even with Frankie and Amy getting ousted by Ashley's uh, Ashley's plan, that Emma and Jillian and Steph and Kristen still finish in the top two anyway, be, having it be like some sort of weird team victory because they ran the whole season Every Canada leg, anyways, they ran it unopposed. So, I mean, that that kind of brings the season down a bit, that there wasn't any big upset, like, say, when Anna and Tanya almost overtook uh, Emin and Jillian during that Vietnam leg, that they were, like, 10 minutes away, I think, from overtaking them. And just not really having any big moments to define this season either. Like, other than Ashley's lie, we don't really have that after the race special, there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about. And yeah, it just really lacked those big moments, I think. I would say that we were quite spoiled with season two being our first one to podcast about. Because pretty much everyone in that cast brought it. And this cast was amazing. It's just that it was just, I don't know, the, like the race just wasn't set up to maximize their potential. It was really the cast that carried the season. And that's why I put it above season three, just because... You know, the final three teams for this season really contrast the final three that we had for last season, in addition to this finale being much stronger than the previous finale. Yeah, I was going to say, in addition to that, we have the fact that this is an almost perfect Canadian finale, and probably, well, it is the best Canadian finale we've had. It's an almost perfect Canadian finale. It just needed caramel bars. It just needed caramel bars. But, (laughs) last season's was as you like to point out, the worst episode of Amazing Race last year. It was a terrible, terrible leg last season. 
So anything is going to look good in comparison. If I was to rank the, se- the seasons of Amazing Race Canada, it'd probably go two, four, and then one and three. I'll just equal them because I haven't actually seen all of one yet. So, but as far as winners go, it definitely goes Stefan Kristen, Tim and Tim, huge gap, Mickey and Pete, a pretty sizable gap as well, Gino and Jesse. Yes, I've come, I've sort of come around to them being ter- pretty terrible. They represent they represent pretty much everything that's terrible about the series. So, also like. Mickey and, Mickey and Pete are terrible as well, and Tim and Tim have, have their horrible moments as well. So Steph and Kristen, yay, default, best winners, yay. They had entertaining moments. Like, I, like once, they, once they got to the second half of the season, they started having entertaining moments. Like, I just want to win! Like, they were pretty boring beforehand, but they were likable. I reckon if you put them on another season, they'd do, they'd do well character-wise. Like, if you put them on Maze Race Canada 3, they do well. They do well character-wise and race-wise. The problem that I have with the all-male winners is that I think, without exception, they were probably my least favourite team of their respective seasons. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I mean, I could, like, from what I've seen, I think I could probably put Jody and Corey below Tim and Tim, but, you know. Yeah, I would, yeah, I wasn't, like, Tim and Tim was was the team that I was probably rooting the most for in that finale. I was rooting against everyone in the season one finale. Uh, hold on, if you don't love, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't love Vanessa and Selena, you don't love yourself, so. I wasn't a big fan. Well, we know about well, we know about your taste, Michael. I mean, you once mentioned. I mean, you once mentioned you were a Peter Brown fan. Yeah, that's a that's the thing with season one too. The casting wasn't very good. Like the only teams I really enjoyed watching from that season went home in fourth, fifth, and sixth. I mean, it was, if if from based on what I've seen, it was like I enjoyed. I like Vanessa and Selena. I sort of appreciate Tim and Tim for for not let make not letting Jodie and Corey win. Jet and Dave, great. Uh, Brett and Hall, great. Hal and Joanne, great. Uh, Kristen and Darren could have been worse, I guess. Uh, J- Jamie and Pierre, that's her name, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the first boots were like great characters as well. But like, as Amazing Race Canada 3 went, terrible boot order. So. Yeah, I think the only teams from that season that we still talk about are um, Jet and Dave, Holly and Brett, and Hal and Joanne. And that's only because of... Well, Helen Joad and Holly and Brett is only because of Get Fit and Fuck Off, which is still an iconic moment. Was that was that an episode title? <laughs> Sadly not. The best bit about that is she disputed the fact that she told them to fuck off. She pretended like she hadn't. She said, I can't even remember what she said. She, she said she definitely didn't say the F word, and then she admitted it at the end of the season that she did. Oh, that's, that sounds like Gina Liano-like. Like, I don't recall saying that. So there's not like something I would say. So I don't. I'm gonna need some evidence that you said that because that's not something I would say. And then she concludes by walking out of the restaurant and yelling, "Hey, good luck with your deck of cards." Oh, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen Real Housewives of Melbourne, you should because it's great. They're fucking insane. Although not as insane as the Real Housewives of Vancouver, I think. Yeah. That's the ones. That's that's the ones that were cancelled, right? Probably. Actually, I should note that while I was in Vancouver this weekend, they did have advertisements for The Bachelorette Canada on the sides of the city buses. Also, I should note that I keep seeing and hearing adverts for Hunted. Yay! Segway! Segway, 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 segway. So, on that tenuous note, we always like to end seasons with announcements, and this season is no different. At the end of our 10th Amazing Race season covered, it's time to preview what's coming. You are not rid of us just yet. Next week, we will be back for a very special podcast discussing where Amazing Race Canada is after four years and what can be done to fix the glaring problems in it. 
in addition to Australian Survivor, which Ben better well done catch up on already, and RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 2 blogs with Spencer Wilson. American Survivor is back next Wednesday, and Cameron Johnson will be doing as many blogs as she can during the season. If you want to get the inside story on what I'm referring to there, that's already on the blog. Hell's Kitchen is also back next Friday, so Ben and Heather will be back to recap that. And a little show that I'm very excited about called Hunted returns next Thursday. So, from the weekend after, Michelle and I will be joined by brand new warrior Anthony Williams to recap that. And finally, in about six weeks' time, we will be reunited to cover the glorious Wu-Turn of Amazing Race Asia with Amazing Race Asia 5. So we've got a lot going on. We have got a lot going on. I mean, I was putting this together a few days ago and just going, shit, we're going to be so busy. Behind the scenes fun here. In the three weeks that Hunted and uh, Amazing Race Asia will be overlapping, I'm going to be pulling double duty. I'm going to be recording back-to-back podcasts, which I have not done for years. Yay! So, we close the book on our 10th Amazing Race season. Yes, we do. That we do. So, thank you for listening all season and to this You Are Team Number podcast. You can join us next Wednesday for the special Amazing Race Canada podcast before Logan hibernates for a few weeks. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Hamster for me, Log Super Wacky for Logan, and Ink1Y for Ben. Bye. Peace, Woot.